Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. They're clever. They're mischievous. They'll get into the kitchen, the basement, the garage. They'll get into anything. And once they get in, you're in for it. Gremlins. They'll be expecting you at a special sneak preview Saturday, May 19th. Directed by Joe Dante. Rated PG. Welcome everyone to Cinemarcade. This is the show about movies, video games, and the sparks that fly when those two worlds collide. I'm your host, Steve Guntley, and you know what? I'm, I decided to have a solo episode today. I've got no co-hosts here, just me and this big old glass of water that I'm going to enjoy right now. Oh, whoops! Oh, I spilled on myself. Oh, what's happening? Oh, no! Oh, Two other podcasters butted off me because I got my fur wet. Oh no, who's here now? We still haven't decided who goes first. And we <laughs> never will. Hello, I'm Justin. I always go third. <laughs> it, th- we have an established order. Play back the tapes. I don't remember if that's true. <laughs> she, you're the with credit. She's the and credit. Yeah, come on. Uh, I'm J-Ban. Thank you all for being here for for butting <laughs> off of my body. You know, uh, uh, I, I that's I, how I meet most of my friends. Is I also think I like how myself. you're like now we're the gremlins and you're Gizmo. Yes. Oh. I mean, we're not technically I'm, gremlins yet because we haven't eaten after midnight. That's true. That's true. You're but not yet. You guys are still cute and furry, but us, I. Uh, Five hours. Yeah, we can make that happen. I, I, I you're. Right. I shouldn't Five have hours. defaulted to Gizmo. I'm not necessarily going to be the That's Gizmo. We'll, we'll let that play out as it will. Uh, you'll never guess what movie we're talking about this week, but I'm going to tell you anyway. We're talking about Gremlins. This is our first miniseries. This is the first time that we are breaking away from our regularly scheduled programming to focus on one series that has movie and game adaptations. So this is going to be a two-part miniseries. Next week, we'll be talking about the sequel, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. But today, we're talking about the OG, 1984's Gremlins, which is directed by Joe Dante, written by Chris Columbus, and starring Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton, Judge Reinhold, Francis Lee McCain, and Polly Holiday. The Christopher Columbus? The Christopher Columbus. They sailed the ocean blue for this? He discovered America and then directed Home Alone. Same yep. time. Yeah, he's an impressive guy. <laughs> okay, I didn't know about that fact either. All right, we're solid. All yeah, right. appropriately, his production company is called 1492. You know, so yep. He's okay. done one of the worst things in the world and then, uh, you know. And then discovered so America. Pretty good. Yeah. No, oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I think that's the other way around. Yeah, I think we got it wrong. I actually like Home Alone. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about Gremlins. Uh, this is a beloved childhood movie of mine from the 80s and whenever that comes up I need to be sure to rip the nostalgia goggles off of my head and try to take in the movie (laughs) as it actually is because you know what a lot of the movies that I loved as a kid have not aged well but I think Gremlins really has I think this is a really cool really fun movie and I'm excited to dig into it especially because we have a newbie we have a newbie to the Gremlins universe here hi hello I've never seen a Gremlins movie and I thought that there was a chance that maybe I had seen parts of Gremlins and just, you know, it was on TV, whatever. I'm now thoroughly convinced I have never seen anything yeah. from this movie before. Fantastic. this was a movie. This, oh man, okay, I'm excited to get into your opinions. Uh, J-Man, was this one growing uh, a movie for you yeah, growing up? Yeah, it was up? a huge, huge movie for me growing up. And it's very, like, it's a classic Christmas movie. Totally. And, like, they have such... I have such warm, nostalgic feelings for this movie, like in Gizmo. And it was just really funny looking at Gizmo. I, he just looked better in my memory. And I don't know whether or not that's just because of like the 1990 movie or, uh, but the puppetry um, is a little wonky in areas. Um, a little bit. You, uh, yeah. But he's so cute and he's got the little ears. And <laughs> it's 
it's one of those moves like this character design could have been so cloying especially with that howie mandel voice that he always does like this could have been so cloying and obnoxious if the movie around it wasn't dark as fuck Mm -hmm. and like kind of disturbing in a lot of parts and i think that's I'm, I'm guessing by your reaction, Justin, that the dark elements of this movie were more the surprise to you. Yes. Uh, I thought that it was a kid's movie. And then I we mean, microwaved a gremlin. <laughs> and I was like, all right. One, mom's got it. Like, she's kicking ass. And two, goddamn. Okay. She killed three gremlins oh, i yeah. want to say three that mom the francis lee mccain she is the rambo of this movie yeah, like she has yeah. the highest body count of like, this. well i guess technically billy and uh uh phoebe cates blow up the theater at the end so they get like they get all those which kills. is also <laughs> fucking wild it's wild but yeah this... is that how boiler rooms work I've never been in a boiler room, except I had this one dream where this guy with claw hands was chasing me through one. But otherwise, I've never been in one. It was weird. I woke up with scratches on my belly. Huh? So strange. Yeah. But no, I've never been in a boiler room. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just move past that one. (laughs) uh, Are there any Freddy Krueger video games? Oh, yes, there are. Oh, yes, there are. I have seen. I have seen uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to be getting to that one. That's kind of a legendary NES game. So uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that one for sure. But yeah, I don't know if that's how uh, how those work necessarily. I want to dig in a little bit to the making of this movie. This was part of like a wave of early 80s like horror comedies. The horror comedy came back in a big, big way in the 80s. They were popular back in the 40s with like Abbott and Costello meeting the Wolfman, things like that. But the genre had died off for a long time. And then we get the one-two punch of Gremlins and Ghostbusters, which were released the exact same day. These both hit theaters the exact same day, June 8th, 1984. So almost like up to the date of when we're recording this. Um, And so, uh, yeah, that that kind of set things off in a big way. And I think Gremlins has more imitators than almost any other movie Mm -hmm. I can think of. These are just movies that came out within the next five years. The Ghoulies, The Munchies, The Hobgoblins, The Trolls, The Elves, The Critters, The Spookies, and The Beasties, plus each of these got at least one sequel. So that's in five Critters? years. That's between 1984 the, and 1989. Critters is a weird movie. Is the Critters sequel is to The weird. Beasties, The Beastie Boys? It is. Starring MCA, Ad-Rock, and Mike D. <laughs> and then, uh, what, what was that list again? Okay, uh, cr- uh, Ghoulies, Munchies, Hobgoblins, okay, Trolls, yeah. Elves, Critters, Spookies, Beasties. I, I really want to know what Munchies is about, because if Munchie was Munchies was made from the 90s to now, I think it'd be a certain kind of movie right and i don't think that's the kind of movie it is munchies pulled a reverse aliens because the first movie is called munchies plural and there's a bunch of little guys running around costume oh. the second movie is called munchie and it's just about one creature and he's friendly so they pulled kind of a reverse aliens on that one and also pulling a terminator a little bit yeah yeah i think if, i i i've often two, said that terminator 2 rips off munchie like wait which one came directly first? uh munchie did oh oh yeah oh yeah okay i had it wrong Excuse i thought they me. were the ripoff uh, no they were the original james cameron we've got your number okay <laughs> all right and it that number is a, one five in it it's a big old zero you butt yeah that'll teach him yeah james Speaking cameron of, has not done anything of of note <laughs> no no come on yeah he did piranha 2 the spawning I, I i do my one minor digression on this like i grew up with gremlins absolutely i watched it a lot my earliest memory the earliest memory i can ever conjure in my head is watching critters mm-hmm. that's a weird ass movie to yeah, have is like your very first like foundational memory because it's a it's it, the, that movie's fun but it's not like a classic of any kind you know so it's just a weird i think that says a lot about me that that's my formative memories watching critters on tv uh i remember watching one of my formative memories was watching uh nightmare on elm street on tv oh wow really okay Uh, i was a i was a precocious child yeah i would say that would traumatize me i was such a sensitive little kid and yet somehow gremlins did not scare me well i don't and this is interesting because i was talking with my flatmate uh, who you all might get visit, might get to meet someday. Um, uh, that 
like whether or not because he was never allowed to watch gremlins okay uh because he was i was worried that he'd be too scared and i was never frightened of gremlins i uh i just always thought it was sort of cartoonish violence but rewatching it it it, it's 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 a little violent Mom, Uh, mom pulls out that knife and then she pulls out a second knife and it's like let's go well, the cool thing, like, I think you'll find a lot of the kills in this are based around urban legends. And that's because this whole myth of the gremlins is actually a pretty recent thing. This came about in the 1920s uh, in the UK because RAF forces would u- use the term gremlins to describe anything going wrong with their machinery in their planes. So if they hear a knock or something, they'd say, oh, it's the gremlins out it again. And then in 1943, Roald Dahl wrote a children's book called The Gremlins, which sort of codified this a little bit. And that same year, we also got the famous Bugs Bunny short film, uh, Falling Hair, where he fights off against a gremlin on a plane. And that sort of set the template. Wait. (laughs) Go back to that last movie. The Falling Hair? What? Yeah. Bugs (laughs) Bugs Bunny fights a gremlin on a plane? Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Should we pause it so we can watch it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a precocious little guy, now, yeah. Now I'm really... Is this like a Terminator-style movie where it's like... Uh, or like Snakes on a Plane or whatever, <laughs> where like Bugs Bunny's being hunted by the thing and he's got to like figure it out? It It is one of the few cartoons where Bugs Bunny isn't like the antagonist, you know? Like Bugs Bunny is always kind of too cool for school and he's always like two steps ahead of whoever he's bothering this is a rare example where Bugs Bunny's getting his ass kicked, like the whole cartoon, by this little gremlin. I am so curious about this now. So the I whole mean, concept seems wild to me. So, I mean, this is still a, a relatively new uh, mythology. And so Chris Columbus had this in mind when he was writing the script because he was living in a dingy little apartment that had mice in the walls. And so he would hear them skittering across the pipes, and he would think, oh, there's gremlins in the walls. And so he started developing the script from that. That's such a sad story. I mean, <laughs> he's doing fine now. He he's do- doing fine now. He directed now, two but Harry like... Potters, uh, Home Alone 1 and 2, Mrs. Doubtfire. He's doing all right. I'm learning more and more about this And, of course, Adventures man. in Babysitting. Of course, Adventures in Babysitting. I love that movie. Uh, you know how when you go into a blues club and they make you sing the blues if you want to leave? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a true fact. That happens. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, he, he wrote a spec script and chopped it around. Steven Spielberg loved it. He saw the potential for some really cool special effects, and he liked the kind of mischievous tone of the whole thing. He originally approached Tim Burton to direct this. This would have been his first film. He had only made a little short film called Frankenweenie, uh, but uh, Steven Spielberg was very impressed. And I, I think his aesthetic would have worked yeah, I think really it well. Uh, but he... he Chose to do Pee Wee's Big would Adventure been... instead, so we've been blessed oh. either way. <laughs> would it have been live action? Or... Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. I think that was still kind of he was real into claymation. Yeah, that was around that time. Yeah, he was working more with claymation, but this would have been live action. Uh, but then he, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, shared directing credit on Twilight Zone the movie with a guy named Joe Dante. Uh, who had some success blending horror and comedy. He made movies like Piranha and The Howling. So he knew how to kind of blend these two different themes. And so Spielberg approached him. They reworked the script a lot. So the original script was a pretty hard R horror film. And it had some sequences that would have been pretty terrifying. So you know how in this movie, uh, like... Billy's dog ends up like tied up in some Christmas lights, like hanging on the porch. Yeah, in the original movie, the gremlins are killing the dog. Uh, They also kill his mother, decapitate her, and throw his her head at Billy. Uh, And there's also a scene where they go into a McDonald's and find that the gremlins are cooking and eating all of the patrons in there. (laughs) Oh my god! So it was going pretty hard. The one remnant of this original dark script, and I think you guys know exactly what this is going to be is Phoebe Cates' monologue in the bank about what happened oh. to her dad. And again, this is based on a uh, an urban legend, just like frying the pet mm. in the microwave and things like that. There's a lot of urban legends and there's a lot of fairy tales in this. That, that was the moment when she first alluded to her distaste for Christmas, where I was like, this movie's rated PG, ma'am. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you talking about? I mean, like, I get it, but also, like, goddamn. It really feels out of nowhere, and I think it's not a coincidence that the movie gets very slapsticky 
after that point. Yeah. I think that's kind you of the turning point. to bring it back for a moment. Yeah, that's the moment where it starts getting a little silly and a little cartoonish, uh, which is, you know, probably for the best because that, that whole ending is really fun. But yeah, that, that monologue is kind of the one remnant of that very dark script. And Spielberg is not happy that that monologue made it into the movie. <laughs> oh. Uh, he did not want it to be in there. He thought he thinks it goes a little too far. But uh, Joe Dante absolutely insisted that that stay. So yeah, there's also the heavy influence of like fairy tales. Like, okay, think about these three rules that the gremlins have, all right? You don't get them wet. You don't uh, get a shine light on them and you don't feed them after midnight. Now that third one gets picked apart a lot because it's like, all right, do we think about time zones? Do we think that about That is exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it was like, yeah, when do we what stop about and start? New York? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When do Australia? we Australia? When does this start? Is it like 6 a.m.? Is it is that cuz technically it's always after midnight. I don't think UTC had been invented at that point. See, so yeah. like how are we what what does this work off of? Right, but that's the fairy tale element, right? Because fairy tales always have these kind of arbitrary rules because they were meant to instill fear in medieval children to get them to obey their parents. And, and that's kind of where it's coming magical. from. Because it's magical. The exactly. Mogwai are magical. They are magical. Yeah, and you can definitely tell that Gizmo is like a Spielberg kind of creation. You know, it feels very cuddly and very marketable. Uh well, and the, originally the idea was that Gizmo was going to just turn into Spike and become the villain. And I think it's a wise decision that they kept one of the Mogwais like sweet, yeah. you know, because, uh, yeah, I think I think he's just too cute. And I think kids would have been upset if all of the cute little monsters. Well, I think that's, into, you know, yeah. if you go to a hard or horror movie, then then. Yeah, sure. But like this is not designed to be a hard horror movie no uh but i think that it's so interesting the design for his head is almost like is very close shape wise uh to the baby in the mandalorian it's like this yeah. very like these big ears this like oval yeah, they, face they were they definitely copied the mandalorian what <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh no i i thought it, it was very interesting and i i just Every time I saw it, I could only think about Furbies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th those were a thing. And I, I was like, I definitely had a Gizmo plushie when I was mm -hmm. a kid. Like he would suck on his thumb and stuff like that. Like he was kind of like those little monkey dolls, you know? Like you just kind of pop it in there. Um, and he was my favorite. He was so cute, and I thought his voice was really like. I'll try to do his voice for the title. Like I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he gets that high. Who's uh, the voice actor? It's Howie Mandel. Mandel. It's Howie, Howie Mandel, the, Mandel, the host of, what does he host now? Uh, America's Got Talent or something? Something like that. Yeah, he was a stand-up comedian at the time. He's a very successful guy. Um, but yeah. Names, but not faces. Now I have to look up who Howie Mandel is. Yeah, he's he's bald now. He had a big old like curly fro oh, back then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. One of those guys who's like much older than he looks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we said, this movie opened the same day as Ghostbusters. It opened number two, uh, only one million dollars behind that. But it would still be a huge hit. It made 148 million in 1984 money. It ranked as the fourth highest-grossing movie of the year. Critics liked it, audiences liked it, but one of the big concerns was the violence. And it was the one-two punch of this and Steven Spielberg's uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that led to the creation mm -hmm. of the PG-13 rating just two months after this movie came out. So, so it's all Steven Spielberg's fault. It is exactly Steven Spielberg's fault. Yeah, they had to find a workaround because it's like, all right, yeah, this isn't quite R-rated violence, but it's really not like yeah. small kids relate like violence either. The, it was such a thing for me because, again, I always – I only ever heard of it as like, oh, that was – everybody was talking about it as, during their childhood. Yeah. So I assumed it was like an E.T.-esque, you know, kids movie. And so she's talking about like suicide early on. And I'm like, yeah. this is – this seems out of expectation for this. And then they kill the science teacher. Yeah. And I was like – that guy's dead. They kill the neighbors as well. Yeah. They, they just start killing people. Well, I'm it's like, interesting. Every they, time, I'm like, wow. Yeah. They kept a lot of the deaths off screen, yeah. which I thought was uh, in, uh, probably a good choice for this film. Uh, but you could definitely see how, um, like, this was originally supposed to be a horror movie. Uh, but it was, well, and it's still, like, I feel like. It's in the horror universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's got monsters. It's got deaths. It's got, like, and it just has this glorious, 
a malevolence to it and i think yeah. the gremlins like um like it's so easy it toes the line uh real real sharp of not going into ridiculousness which yeah. is just i don't know how they managed to do it because like objectively watching it now there's some ridiculous stuff Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I think you can definitely see like the, the sequence with the mother alone in the house facing off against the newly yeah. hatched gremlins is as close as we get to like pure horror in this yeah. movie. And that's before the more mischievous nature of the gremlins comes out. Like the gremlins are not friendly in any way, but their first goal is not necessarily to kill you. It's to fuck with you. Yeah. And then they very quickly are like, Apparently, the supreme way of fucking with people is to just kill them. Yeah. And they go on a rampage. They absolutely um, do. But after they've kind of overtaken the town, that's when they start getting into their goofy shenanigans. That's when they're going to the bar. That's when they're going to the movies. They're playing with toys. I love how they take over the town, and the first thing they do is they pretty much the first thing they do, they go to the bar and just get wasted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, brings up the logistical concerns. Like, beer does not make them replicate, but water does. It's yeah, water, beer is water-based. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All liquids are water-based or poison. Yeah. So I guess do you just need to, like, dilute the water a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. If you look too close at the rules, it's not going to make magic. sense. It's magic. It's magic. You're exactly right. Also... When and they first uncover this and they uh, Gizmo gets splashed, Gizmo's writhing in pain and they're just like, oh, look at this other furball. Not like, dude, are you okay? Like, Yeah. I'd be worried if my dog started like roiling with boils all of a sudden. I, that, that goes on for like a solid 20, 30 seconds where he's just writhing on the floor and they're just looking at the furball going, oh, what's this? But also it's replication in a mammal i'd like i'd be distracted if my mammal replicated from a spilt water bottle like I, yeah it's, it's like mitosis it's like though, it's happening kind of in real like, time if there's if you know your baby falls over and there's a train wreck you pick up the baby and watch the train wreck right <laughs> right like you can do both but they just straight up immediately got now fuck him what's what's this yeah and they just look away and they just ignore that he's there while he's still screaming in pain i mean in general i feel like everybody adapts to this weird little creature very quickly i mean mm -hmm. as a very very brief overview of the plot because most people listening have probably seen gremlins uh a young Unless man like me. okay wait, wait. Yeah. before you get oh, yeah. to the plot the fucking opening like yes. the, yeah. the voiceover film noir opening with rand the father yeah like what is that it the, always I, drives me crazy because it's like you have nothing to do with this movie well, <laughs> not really I think, yeah i think if anything uh i don't know why they chose to do that but it does go to show that his dad has this and his ego gets checked a little bit later on but he definitely seems like he he believes he's like the main character, and then he's not. Again, it's 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 all the very fantastical elements. First of all, that Chinatown that we're visiting looks like another world, which I think is kind of the whole point. I'm not sure I'm crazy about the further mystification of uh, Asian people like this movie does. Like I think there there was kind of a trend of that going around, where like ah oh, they're the ancient and mysterious East, you know. Uh, but I do, I do like that little false red herring. Uh, the dad is played by Hoyt Axton, who is a popular country singer of the time. Uh, he's got a great voice. He's got a great, like, kind of calm presence. But you're very right. He does not have much of a role to play. In fact, most of this movie, he's at a convention filled with Easter eggs, basically, a to other sci-fi movies. Christmas Eve. Yeah. Like, who, inventing. who makes an invention? With all like, these weirdos, including Steven Spielberg himself on a recumbent bike. Uh, <laughs> so uh, look quick for him. And, but And that whole time he's just realizing like, these guys are kind of the inventors and I'm kind of a hack. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he never really has that come up. Like, again, there's a heavy fantasy element to this. Like, we're not really supposed to question how... They live in this very nice house in this very idyllic little town on the salary of a failed inventor. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't seem like any of his well, products sell. They, they did. He the the son whose name I do not remember. Billy. 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 He he does get teased by um, that guy. Eighties douchebag. Yeah, eighties. Judge douchebag. Reinhold. Yeah. Um, 
because he he does say like you you support your whole family. Your dad's a mm. loser, um, and so it seems like he's paying for a lot of things. Okay, that would um, make sense. Working as a teller at the bank. Uh, yeah, Billy's kind of of an indeterminate age. Yeah, because he he's. He's very baby-faced. I mean, he's clearly old enough to work at a bank, but yeah. it's kind of hard to tell he's exactly. Got, he's got, he's like, the school. biggest yeah. baby. No, he's not still in school. Did he, he not go to No, he, but he, go, he, he works. Just, yeah, but he does go. He 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 has an in with the science teacher. Oh, so yeah. that's like, what it is. Yeah, okay. so he does go back to the school. And his friend is, like, young Corey oh, Feldman. Right. So. Gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah, the basic overview is that uh, a young man's dad brings him back a weird exotic pet called a mogwai, and he names him Gizmo. <laughs> He's a very sweet little guy, but you have to stick to the three rules about him, which is never get him wet, never expose him to direct sunlight, never feed him after midnight. And, of course, in short succession, he does all three of these things. We to learn fair, that— mm. um one of those is on accident. Oh yeah, I think both of them are kind of on accident. Uh, the, the one of them sunlight, was sabotage, yeah. Uh, and then feeding them after midnight, he fed them, but his clock had been unplugged. Yes, so it's still red. Uh, not midnight yet. Yeah. Um, but uh, his dad also didn't buy them. It's that's not an appropriate way to do a sale because the 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 guy is like, no, no, I don't. Nobody is, you know, there's. You don't – you can't be responsible for this. It's too big of a responsibility. Like, I won't sell you. But he just insisted. And then he does, like, a backdoor deal with the dude's kid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then the dude's probably just like, bro, what the fuck? Why? Yeah. Oh, I mean, you you have to imagine there's a whole other movie there where, like, the grandson's just getting his butt kicked for for letting this guy go. And then the dad has to, like – FBI style track down where he went. <laughs> yeah, before too big of a calamity occurs. Yeah, yeah. Which he all had a very... card. He got there pretty quickly. Did he? But the the end of the movie, he's walking away without a car, and mm. he just keeps walking Magic. into the distance. Yeah, and I'm like, where's his car? We don't. Is know. he going? Is he taking a bus? He's a magical if the man. Mogwai can teleport. Yeah, it's true. We don't know that. I mean, maybe you We've guys seen do no evidence. you've seen the movies that come after it, <laughs> but I haven't. So to me, it's still magic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he violates all three rules, and uh, the result are gremlins, which are just green, scaly, nasty little suckers who immediately start multiplying and taking over the town. And it's up to Billy, his girlfriend Kate, and a couple of friends to stop them before they overtake the world. That's a basic overview. A very important question. Yeah. Do you think gremlins are psychic? How, well, what's your evidence here? They have knowledge. They have no ability to learn. They knew yeah. how to unplug a, or eat through a wires on a clock. They hmm. knew how to. They know how to unwire telephones. They know how to use a projector. They like. They know how to drive a car. They know how to drive a <laughs> yeah. car. They know where a brake line is. They, they they just immediately like have this omniscient knowledge of like they they full on when uh when Billy kind of figures out that the gremlin thing is a thing that they can turn into gremlins if they get fed or whatever he calls his mom and's like oh my god you're in trouble leave the house and the gremlins cut the phone line mid call yeah which again it's fucking wild you're just like. How do you know how to do these yeah, things? Yeah, they, they kind of come you out. You were born yesterday. Yeah, they come out with like human level intelligence, which yeah. I guess is just the thing that makes them a little bit more beyond human level intelligence. And knowledge. Yes. Because the majority of humans don't know how to do those things. I don't know where a brake line is. <laughs> I mean, I could figure it out if I try. I could probably <laughs> but, figure out how to cut a telephone line. I'll be honest. I'm not that smart, but I could probably figure it out. But then the thing is, uh, how do you do it with. <laughs> Like, look, there's a lot of things with uh, electricity and stuff like that that I could figure out. However, there's a lot of things that I shouldn't try it on. No, right. But for example, one of them knew to put on a trench coat and to flash Phoebe Case. <laughs> Which is so fucking weird. I mean, that that bar scene is the moment where this movie, the tone of this movie just changes so utterly and completely uh, and I'm here for it. Like, and it's <laughs> it, not to spoil part two, but it's going to set up a lot of what's going to happen in part two, uh, that we're going to escalate a lot on those themes. But yeah, that bar scene is wild. It's just kind of bouncing from image to image. Now I've read one cultural criticism. I'm not going to put necessarily a lot of weight on this cause I don't really know. And I'm not really qualified to talk about it, 
There was one cultural criticism that's uh, complained that the gremlins were acting as kind of stand-ins for African-American stereotypes of the era. So like they're they're because of uh, the dancing they're doing, the music they're listening to, and some of the rowdy behavior that was characterized by racists, you know. So I don't know. I don't know. I, that's not a lens I've ever looked at this movie through, but I was reading that when I researched a little bit. I'm like, oh, I that's never really thought about it. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like they definitely were parodying a jazz club. Yeah. Um, And sort of, and so I don't know. It's I don't weird. believe if, if it's there, I don't believe it's intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe anybody involved would have intentionally set out to make a movie like that. But I wonder if there was some kind of underlying uh, uh, thematic I don't know, thinking going on there that they maybe weren't putting too much weight on. I don't know. It's worth thinking about. I don't want to ruin the movie for anybody because it's just kind of one theory, but it is something to think about. Um, I, I want, thought it was interesting yeah. in that scene that um, the dealer of the cards was actually cheating. He had uh, an ace of sp- uh, spades behind his ear and he had an ace of spades in his hand yeah and and he got shot for cheating and i just thought that was that was an interesting little like um caveat of like oh this guy's cheating cheating um me at cards bang yeah the 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 fact that gremlins found understood and utilized firearms also was fucking, they're they're yeah, rubbish they're rubbish they're rubbish shots though yeah but they're, also they're very bad shots they were born yesterday they were yeah the, the fact that they he, can operate a gun at all he just walks down the street and goes sees a gun in the window goes gun yeah and then, i'm like oh no i believe you mean Sorry. Which, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think that they could have learned all of this from television because Gizmo was only watching TV for a couple of days. But what if they like learn all of the information Gizmo's ever learned? So you're saying yeah. that there's a hive mind? Maybe. I think it's it's like, you know how when you grind up a flatworm and feed it to other flatworms, it can like nope. gain its knowledge. You don't do that don't frequently? Don't know this. No, don't I, often... I've never done that. can't say oh, this weird. is a thing that's in my brain. This is the thing. So apparently flatworms can be trained to solve a maze. And if you take that worm that's solved, you grind it up and feed it to another one, that flatworm will immediately know how to solve the maze on the first try. That's weird. And that's also, really weird. what the fuck, scientists? Who's yeah. figuring this like, out? Yeah. Yeah. Why are they doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Who's who's getting a grant to grind up worms? Listen, yeah. there's been grants for crazy shit. Yeah. Oh, no, I believe it, including uh, grinding up worms. Yeah. 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 yeah that's crazy yeah. to me. Um, um, just to talk a little bit about the cast here, our lead is Zach Galligan, who's kind of like, he's there. You know, I have nothing against him. I think he's he's uh, blandly charming. I think um, he's perfectly cast in this role. Well, because you has need like, kind of a milquetoast well, sort you, of guy. Well, you need somebody who, he is not, he has heroism but he's not a hero. No, he doesn't have like he, he's so um, he's like in this in between child adult phase, but he's not off putting um, because he's child enough to want to have a mogwai. Yeah, uh, but he's not so much that he is, um, you know, devast. But he's still he's still our protagonist. He, he feels like he has his shit together despite maybe being in this arrested development state. Like, yeah. no, I think he's fine. I, I read that he got cast because he was the only actor who read who was uh, realistically flustered by Phoebe Cates. Like they felt <laughs> like he was clearly in love with her and really hard to blame him. I think Phoebe Cates is amazing. Phoebe Cates is one of the most beautiful women that's ever lived. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How bad of an actor do you have to be not to be flustered? Seriously, yeah. They just said he was just very earnest or... and very like shy and awkward around her. And she almost did not get cast in this movie because of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, because she took her top off in that movie. And that is infuriating <laughs> to me that it's like, okay, you're first of all, you're going to make her do that. And then second of all, you're going to deny her opportunities from now on. Ah, uh, uh, sexism. Yeah. yeah. We, but she's doing fine. I Turns wish she would out, come back. Men, she's, she's been retired great. for like 20 years, but I wish she would come back. Um, yeah. Uh, and then we get a very small appearance by another Fast Times alum, Judge Reinhold, who plays the jerky bank manager. Apparently, I was always a little confused by why he was here, but apparently his role was cut down quite a bit when they went from an R rating to a PG rating. Like he was going to have a bigger role initially. Gotcha. 
And then we also get parts from uh, Dick Miller, who is in every one of Joe Dante's movies. He plays the uh, World War II vet neighbor, uh, Murray, who's great. And a very blink if you miss it, the deputy police, uh, the, the deputy policeman in this is Jonathan Banks, better known from Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and Season oh 5 God. of Community. That's Jonathan Banks. Yeah. Yeah. Very young in this movie. Um, wow. So, uh, in a lot of movies, and I was talking about this uh, with a friend of mine, um, how incompetent the police are. Yeah. And I'm just really curious because, like, um, like incompetent police are such a big mainstay of the eighties, uh, especially of horror movies and like of not being heard or understood. And that was just, I just thought that these cops acted like they were high yeah. and drunk at the same time. Well, um, I think they were drunk. It's, I think they a, were having a Christmas It's a party. good old boys uh, rural police station on Christmas Eve. Well, well the the town is called Bedford Falls, right? Or do they do they actually call it Bedford? No, I don't know if they call it Bedford Falls. Well, it's based on Bedford Falls from it's a wonderful life either way i forget the name of the town uh off the top of my head but it's kind of based on that it's meant to be this really idyllic quiet small town where nothing bad ever happens and so the police can be like barney fife types who are just kind of bumbling uh but they are dispatched so very easily in this movie they're so not a factor and i think you need that another big staple of early 80s movies the mean old rich lady uh here uh, it's mrs deagle played by polly holiday Ooh, maybe that the woman, most hateable character in the movie. I was I was immediately just like, why is nobody else in this room hating you right now? Yeah. You are literally threatening to abduct and murder this guy's dog because he knocked over your porcelain or whatever, snowman. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's the richest lady in town. Everybody has yeah, to kind of kowtow to go her. She herself, though. She should. Uh, and she does. Thank you, gremlins. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I also I hate when people who love cats are portrayed as people who hate dogs. It drives yeah. me crazy, especially as a lady. You're like, oh, you're a cat lady. You must want to murder things. Right. Uh, and it's just like you're not going to go 101 Dalmatians on. Well, us? it was just so. No, I'm not going to go 101 Dalmatians on you. Um, and it was just so like, um, I don't know. She's so clearly designed to be hateable in this and at the same time she gets her comeuppance but the douchebag 80s guy doesn't get her comeuppance like where is his death he just kind of disappears from the movie like he just ends up in the bank he's vault. in the sequel isn't he no no, no he not. does not come back was, was this so my question about the production of this movie is mm. did they film everything for an r-rated movie and then cut down to a pg movie no i think they cut it down in the script Um, Yeah, they cut it down before they shot. Like, I don't think they shot the Billy's mom getting decapitated scene. I think that's just in the draft. Uh, But either way, yeah. Speaking of decapitation, uh, as I often am, the special effects in this movie are really fucking good. They hold up. They're really good. They They look great. Uh, Like the microwaved, uh, like the um, um, guy in the blender um with the green blood or yeah um uh like the heads popping off when he was saving his mom and cutting his head off with a sword and i also love the image of him hanging out with a sword uh i'm a sucker for swords yeah um you never know when they come in handy um and it was just like it was so and then the final melting of spike when he like he goes into the fountain yeah uh and also i love the alien pods uh which were like so the alien pods they all have lights inside them yeah and like, what bioluminescence <laughs> and it's just it's just like a multicolored layers of light inside of each of these pods are uh and uh, the pods were clearly ripped off of uh, like alien um, but it was just so much fun to watch all these things decay yeah. and crush and have this like sort of visceral like creepiness feel because they keep they throughout the movie they um they keep showing really good old movies and they were showing invasion of the body snatchers yeah. and and then obviously an homage to invasion of the body snatchers the whole movie uh but it was just like oh i i just really appreciated on this watch just how much the special effects were just spot on 
I, I think they've held up so well. I beat this drum all the time, but I love, 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 love practical effects in movies. I wish they would bring them back. They look better. They give the actors something tangible to act against. And I think with the current level of technology, I think they would look absolutely amazing. More and more movies are starting to bring them back. Like the new Dungeons and Dragons movie has a lot of practical effects. They look phenomenal. And I think we should continue doing that. Bring it back. We're tired bring of it CG. Back. Yeah. Do you think that uh, specifically the quality of this, uh, was this probably like a, a Spielberg thing of like he, he was uh, one of the producers of the movie, like he was... Or I'd was that just, God, the, would that have happened without Spielberg being involved? Yeah, I yeah. definitely, yeah, because okay. like the thing, and like in the 80s, there I mean, was like a... it would have been practical, but would it have been good? There, no, there was a cadre of like really great special effects um, houses yeah. in the 80s uh, that produced really great, like even in terrible horror movies, there were often really good effects. 100%, um, yeah. Yeah, there's a movie called The Deadly Spawn from like I think 1982. It has some really incredible creature designs, and like it's not that worthwhile of a movie or that high budget of a movie, but it's pretty great to look at. And I think uh, I I was trying to see who did the special effects. I don't think it's any names I know. It's not like Stan Winston or anything like that. But uh, all the puppetry looks great. They have mm -hmm. a lot of personality to it. And like you say, watching them decay and melt and and just the sheer amount that we ask these gremlins to do like the little guy drinking all the beer and his belly's over like yeah. inflating like little things like that it just looks fantastic um i think we should transition to the game a little bit because i could go on about this yeah I, I, could, I could go I feel on like we don't have to <laughs> yeah i mean the, the game uh as it is in real life the game on this show is going to be a little bit of an afterthought but we do need to mention it Gremlins the Game came out in 1984 for the Atari 2600. It was developed and published by Atari. Uh, and, uh, you know, when we talked on our very, very first episode about E.T. and how it killed the video game industry in 1983, I think there's a common misconception that we just stopped making video games for a couple years there. But no, we did not. There are a lot of games that were released in 1983 or 1984 or 1985 and they tend to be the rarest, hardest to find games because they were produced in much less quant quantity because far fewer people were buying video games. Gremlins is definitely one of those. I think a loose cartridge goes for about like $400 now. So if you want to get like an actual physical copy of Gremlins, it will cost you. And I have to say, I don't think this is worth a full $400. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, if, if, if pressed, if pressed, I might say, oh, I think there's better things you could spend those $400 on. Um, because this is basically just a, a ripoff of two other games. The first half of this is ripping off Kaboom, which is the classic Atari game where you are catching bombs that are being dropped off a building. Uh, and the other, the second level is based off of uh, kind of a worse Space Invaders, where just like waves and waves of enemies will come at you yeah. from the top of the yeah. screen and you need to shoot them. That's kind of about it. So, yeah, the first level, you are protecting a group of hamburgers from <laughs> dropping mogwai. Mogwai are dropping from the ceiling and you need to catch them before they can eat the hamburger and turn into a little gremlin-y pod. Uh, Justin, you noted that it felt like that uh, we were using an emulator for this and you noted that it felt like the speed had been jacked up or something like that. I think this is the way it was. Cause I've played games like this on the Atari that go way too fast. Um, yeah. It, I mean, I think we ended up slowing it to 75% we speed did. and then playing it at that because everything moved so incredibly quick and we were, we were running at, I think locked 60 frames, something like that. And so that's where I was like, is this, is this anything over thirties kind of, is it all, is the speed locked to the frame rate? So, uh, what's the issue there? Because goddamn, were those gremlins full on, this was like, uh, sprinting zombie style, yeah. versus, like Mogwai. They were full speed, Flying off that roof to eat yeah. them burgers. Um, and uh, you're just a dude who can walk left and walk right. And he, uh, and walk left and walk right, not run left and run right. Yeah, the, the Mogwai are dropping at running speed, but you are not at running speed. Because you're apparently like... you are a f overweight, middle-aged, <laughs> bald man who's supposed to be Billy. Yeah, Wearing an orange balding, shirt. Yeah. So like yeah. props on the shirt color. A, but... a lithe, like, 21-year-old 21, 21 boy has turned into, like, a very large, slow, bald man. I do not have any idea who this character is supposed to be. 
supposed to be. Like on on first sight, it's really hard to say who so, this should be. And then it's something that's more of a thing now, or that, that is a thing now, and I don't know if it was a thing back then, but likeness rights when it came to video games was also important. Yeah. For instance, uh, <clears throat> like James Bond is one of the ones yeah. where uh, Ion, the people who own the licensing for James Bond, mm-hmm. will not do would not allow the likeness of any other James Bond than the current James Bond to appear in media that's being created during that time. Right. Um, and so for instance, they did a bunch of remakes and like level remakes and stuff of previous James Bond games. And they were all with Daniel Craig because that was the only likeness they were allowed to use. Yeah. And, uh, arc survival evolved, paid a bunch of money to get the rocks likeness for literally just some cutscenes and stuff. Oh really? But it almost makes like, Back then, were likeness rights a thing? And the question is, because then it's just pixels. In, right. Uh, not, it, it was a bit of the Wild West back then. Right. Like the likeness like, rights were all based on what's on the cover, because it's pretty interpretive when you get to the exactly. actual game. Exactly. Like, at what point do you look at the pixels that make up Billy in this game and go, no, no, you don't have the rights to use me. Right. You've got to use other generic dudes. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's, there's no facial features no. or anything like that. All you have is really hair and not hair, and they went with not hair on this one and we were trying to do the math on this i don't think there's any significant characters in this that are bald Mm -mm. and so we were having a really hard time placing who this was even remotely supposed to be it kind of looked like hitchcock (laughs) i think it was alfred hitchcock running back and forth catching gremlins um but so if you protect uh well well you you see how long you can go protecting the hamburgers from these mogwai but you're never going to get them all forever. You can hold them I, off for a while. But once they get all of the burgers, then you transition to the second level, which is where the cocoons are hatching and the gremlins are marching towards you. And you, as Alfred Hitchcock, have a gun and you get to shoot all the characters before they get to you. And let me tell you, did we rarely save a hamburger? <laughs> rarely did we save a hamburger. Yeah, yeah. Rarely did we do very well. We, well. I mean, this is a score-based game, so really, you know, for for those for our younger listeners who might not remember, back in the day, you had to gain all of your satisfaction for video games from just trying to get a higher number on the bottom of the screen. Of course, this would erase when you turned off your Atari, so you could turn keep it on forever. But you know. It was a it was a fleeting little thrill that you could have, and this game offers a lot of fleeting little thrills. Um, yeah, and so I I don't know the second level was not that much more engaging. I think we only managed to clear it once, and our reward for clearing it is going back to the hamburger level. Yep. Yep. It, it the gameplay loop is just defend the house or sorry defend the burgers and then defend yourself from what ate burgers and well, then repeat and the gremlins looked strangely like et's uh, yeah. uh I, I don't know well it was just like i, I space invaders is fun yeah this is not fun <laughs> kaboom is fun i like kaboom yeah yeah no the, that's that's kind of the big problem and you know we were playing it emulated with an xbox controller but it is simulating the action of the atari joystick which is very stiff and has a very limited range of motion so there's not much room for precision but this game requires quite a bit of precision if you want to get your shots off without them going in between the columns yeah, of yeah because your, your shots were pixel wide yeah which in something like like galaga or whatever kind of makes more sense yeah um, but in, in this where you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off because everything's coming at you so fast, you don't have the time to be precise most of the time. Yeah. Well, and it's uh. funny because the, uh, gremlins are actually quite big, but you yeah. have to be like right on the right spot to hit them. Yeah. You also have a gun. You have a gun. I mean, Billy does use a gun at one point in the movie, but the gremlin immediately takes it from him and like fires yeah. it at him. So, uh, you, you have a gun and you're shooting the gun. I mean, in theory, this probably isn't the case. You're not shooting them at the sky, but I was just thinking of that. But, like, they're coming at you, and you're shooting at them, but you can only shoot them when they're coming at you from the top of the screen. Yeah. Because that's the only way you can point the gun. Once they get to the same level as you, they turn to you and go for you. And then yeah. at that point, you're just like, all right, well, here yeah. it is. They just it's bump over. into you, and you go flying off the screen, and that's it. I mean, so, yeah, this this original uh, Atari 2600 game didn't give us a lot to talk about. So we did our due diligence and watched a video of the Atari 5200 version 
uh, which I have so much more to say about that. Yeah, version. there's more to say about that version. We weren't able to play it because for some reason, I think it's because these games are obscure and no one cares about them. Uh, there's not a lot uh, for the Atari 5400 uh, that you can actually emulate. Uh, and there's there aren't a lot of files out there or good emulators that I could find. But we did watch some YouTube videos of the playthrough of the Atari 5400 version. And uh, this one seems... I don't know. It doesn't seem that much more exciting. No, <laughs> no. I was lying when seem, I said I had a lot more to say. <laughs> it does seem conceptually like it fits the movie a little bit more. Well, and like you has you have longer gameplay. Yeah, yeah. At, at least the individual gameplay loops are a little bit longer. It's each level is just you there, and around you is Mogwai or Gremlins, mm-hmm. and food or water just kind of sprinkled around and you're trying to catch one mogwai at a time put it in a cage while also eliminating all of the gremlins because you're carrying a sword Mm -hmm. and uh if the gremlins or the mogwai touch the water they multiply if they touch the food they turn into gremlins Mm -hmm. and so it's just that and then once you've captured them all or the night is over uh, because each level is timed, then you just move on to the next one. Again, it's score based. That's all you're here for. And when um, it's timed, when your time is up, the sun starts to come up. So it's gonna fry all the innocent little mogwai that you have not saved if you don't <laughs> get them into the pen in time. Look, but are the they gremlins, that innocent? The gremlins can also come in and open up the pen and let them an all go. Interesting question. I think multiplated mogwai are probably very mischievous. And, but these, I, I, I like, don't, these movies have borne out that Gizmo is kind of an anomaly. Like, yeah, he's because kind all of the of only the, nice Mogwai. All of the other multiplications were actively scheming as Mogwai to become gremlins. Like the capture of the dog happened when they were yes. in Mogwai yeah. form. And when they cut the, the cord to the, the alarm clock or the, the clock, they were also in Mogwai form. Although I'm still not clear. it Was it the the Mogwai that did the thing to Barney, or was that Mrs. Deagle? Well, he it wouldn't was be Mrs. Deagle, right? No, She's no, not, no, no, yeah. no. Because it's she definitely some Viennese, although she did say, the well, next I'm going to get your dog. Well, the next day but... she came in the bank and said, how's your dog? Like, and that, so I think I always she's just she a shitty had... old person. Yeah, so she probably didn't know about that. Okay. Either way, yeah, I mean. The, the, the dad does say, the I locked the door. Yeah. Like, the door was locked, and presumably he's implying the dog was in, door yeah. is locked. Yeah. So the Mogwai definitely ganged up on the dog. And in <laughs> this, the quiet of night, we're able to string the dog up in Christmas lights and hang him from the front porch. Yeah. So he's just dangling there, just going, oh, please, somebody help. <laughs> that poor dog. That's poor such dog. a sweet-faced dog. I'm glad it lived through the movie, though. The dog lives, everybody. Don't worry. The dog does. Um, that dog actor was extraordinary his name is mushroom <laughs> really? Wait, really yeah he's in the credits i love it when they give dogs credits <laughs> in the movie barney was played by mushroom good old That's mushroom great. he's a good dog uh but yeah no the uh, the atari oh, excuse me i've been getting the number wrong it's the 5200 you atari. said 5200 the first time then it said 5400 i'm like i honestly have no idea which one's true well it's right because each one goes up by 2600 so it's it's 2600 5200 7800 and nobody's played the 7800. Um, but yeah, so that that game looked more like a game. I think I probably would have gotten pretty bored with it pretty quickly, but there's more yeah. game going on here. At, like, at least the levels have some kind of difference to them because they have different layouts of the Mogwai and whatever. There's no like obstacles. You're not navigating. It's just an no. open like room that you're in walking yeah. around. It kind of looks but like then, sluggish Robotron if you guys <laughs> played that. The, there'll be things like uh, random inventions and stuff that are like throwing food out for the, the, the Mogwai. Well, I, I like that you pointed that out. That like the, uh, the, the orange juice machine is in here like and it'll malfunction. It'll spew orange juice everywhere. I liked the little nods to the movie that they had in it. And the graphics yeah. are now sophisticated enough that they can do that and you can tell what you're looking at. So I think... And I think yeah. Billy had hair. Yeah, Billy had hair. Yeah, Billy he, had hair. he was identifiable as Billy. He was wearing a little backpack and carrying a sword. Like, yeah, he was identifiable. There didn't seem to be really any level of challenge to this game, although mm-hmm. the the uh, YouTuber we were watching died a few times, and I, it had that classic video game death of you turn into a pile of bones and collapse, like the moment you get touched by something, <laughs> be it bad. And I'm glad that's not the way our bodies actually work. Like, I would hate if, like, oh, no, a bee sting. Oh, I'm a pile of bones. <laughs> <laughs> Xylophone sound. 
Yeah, so, you know, uh, I think in this case, if you're going to want your Gremlins 1984 fix, I'm going to say you probably want to go for the movie over mm -hmm. either of the game adaptations, but uh, opinions may vary here. Maybe we should move on to our rankings and uh, decide where these go. So uh, each week we are deciding if this is a good movie, good game, a bad movie, bad game, or some mix of the two. Let's start with JBAM. What, uh, what are we thinking? Great movie, bad game. Great movie, the bad game. Gameplay is so, um, like, I keep thinking, like, because we played um, E.T. and we played this, that maybe just Atari games suck. And then I refreshed how many great Atari games uh, are out there and are spectacular and are still enjoyable to this day. Like Pac-Man, um, uh, Space Invaders, Frog, like Frogger Frogger's is a great. a great game. And so you can't, it's not a time thing. It's just that this one is a bad one, just like the E.T. was bad, but it wasn't as bad as E.T. No, uh, no, it is better than E.T. I still think more enjoyable than Vertigo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will I will give some passing credit. Like I will say the, the sprites in this look like gremlins. Yes. They do, like they're very interpretive, but they look like gremlins. Yeah, yeah. I think this might be one of the first ones where I don't really have to add some additional, like, this, but I feel this way. No, nah, it was a good movie, bad game. There's, yeah. There's no real qualifications How? on bad game on this one. I wonder if there's any qualifications on good movie, just because, like, you seem to have been shocked by it. Like, yeah. You, you seemed, like, unnerved that this was a... No, I was just, again, I went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be like E.T. Yeah. Um, E.T. walked so gremlins could run. And then the gremlins ran. <laughs> I, they ran. They ran hard. I think one of the charms of this movie is that it's pretty willfully playing on your expectations from E.T. Like you see, it's a Steven Spielberg movie with cuddly little characters. Yeah. It's got to be like a, a sweet, adorable uh, adventure. And, they, and then they turn out to be these little shit. turn into psychopathic murderers who yeah. presumably kill an indeterminate number of people around town. That's at least like five. Yeah. Yeah, at least five. Yeah, yeah. There's it's, a lot of people. It was down. covered on the news. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a mess. This town is ruined like, forever. There's a point where they're they're just like, oh, all the gremlins are in one place, and we can tell because there's nothing else happening. In town. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the town is dead, and I'm not sure how literal that is. Yeah, yeah. That's it's pretty close to literal. Uh, I'm in the same boat. I think uh, great movie, uh, bad game. You know they. Uh, better than some of the Atari games that we played, and I think better than some of the Atari games we're gonna play, but uh, definitely uh, still not what all else that is fun. on the list. Oh, we got some Raiders of the Lost Ark, we get some <laughs> Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Ooh. Aliens. Yeah, we're gonna get a lot of weird stuff on the Atari. Um, Krull, everybody loves Krull, obviously. Um, yeah. But that's not yeah, what everyone. we're going to talk about next week. We're going to save Krull for another day because we're continuing with our miniseries. While we have some energy, we're going to be watching Gremlins 2, the new batch from 1990. We're going to be playing the NES game based on that movie. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be watching. There's a, did you see there's a new Gremlins TV show that just dropped? <gasps> they advertised that right before I was watching this, the Gremlins yeah. on HBO. And so I'm like, I'm not... I think that one is skewed for very little you kids. You just watch yeah. the show instead. Yeah, it's called Secret of the Mogwai. It's on HBO. I refuse to call it Max because they that I might, irritate me. I might read a Wikipedia article about it to see. Because yeah. like, like oh, I wonder what they're gonna do with no. I want to just... know the mythology. Like, the, like you want to know the lore? I yeah. do. I'm a lore, I'm a lore fiend. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a lore whore. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. No, I'm 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 a little curious about it. I've heard some uh, positive things, but it is weird that this has been a very successful pair of movies that has never had a third movie. And mm -hmm. I mean, there's oh, been rumors okay. for 20 years, but I don't think it's going to happen at this point. Or I don't know, maybe this uh, animated show really takes off and sparks interest in it again. And I hope they keep the weird, edgy humor of uh, of these first two movies in the future. But but we'll uh, we'll be touching back on these little gross creatures next week. Uh, so be sure to check us out at Cinemarcade Podcast on Instagram. Send us an email at cinemarcadepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. And you know what? Go on to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a review. That really helps us out, especially we're a, we're a new show finding our audience. And having some positive word of mouth really goes a long, long way. And thank you to the people who've already left very nice notes and uh, comments on the show already. 
You guys are the real superstars, and I'm sending your checks tomorrow. <laughs> they are blank, but not because you can write anything in, because there's no money on them. Exactly. <laughs> but you'll get my autograph. There you go. And I'm <laughs> some guy. Only Steve's autograph. Though. Yes, yes. And it's not let corrected to any account. Anyway. Uh, all right. Well, we will see you next week, everybody. Uh, oh, um, let me see. Are you guys hungry? Yeah, here you go. I've got some chicken for you guys here. <laughs> just, just go ahead, oh. enjoy that. I don't see any possible consequences. I can't believe for he this. gave an entire like what twelve piece chicken plate to those <laughs> to the Mogwai. That's too much chicken for them. It's too much, too chicken. much chicken, or is it too not chicken. enough chicken? Yeah, yeah, well. It could be. I mean, I, I, Justin's looking pretty ravenous for chicken here. He's also <laughs> turning green and scaly. I think we better go. Yeah. Oh, no! Yeah. Mischief! All right, bye, everyone.